Good evening and welcome back to another edition here of Let's Talk Cricket here on Free Values Radio. Delighted once again to be joined by Nick, who's going to be giving us some more really good stats, following on from his excellent little pick the team last week. Good evening, Nick. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, George, and uh, good evening to our, all our listeners. And uh, say, really looking forward to the T20 World Cup and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing our thoughts on, on the tournament and um, obviously the action to, to date so far. Absolutely, and obviously you're quickly earning yourself a name here on our podcast as the Stat Man, sort of going through some really good stats from last week. So we've got some good stats to look forward to uh, coming up this evening. I think if uh, strike rates and six hitting is your thing, uh, George, then I'm sure I can oblige. Absolutely, and of course delighted. We haven't heard from him for a while here on the podcast, but he has been listening behind the scenes, been very busy working on his Level 4 coaching uh, badge quite recently. Good evening, Ian Stewart. How are you? I'm very, very well and delighted still to be coaching at this uh, later stage of the sort of uh, end of summer, beginning of autumn. So, uh, no, very, very excited about this of the T20 World Cup coming up and enjoyed certainly seeing some of the games um, of late, particularly some of the countries that I had a closer relationship with back in sort of 20, 2000, early 2000s in ICC. So those uh, formerly known associate countries, the Netherlands, Scotland, Ireland, obviously clearly very keen to see them them do well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you've just mentioned that you're still coaching outdoors. Is that is that net or is that like fitness training you're working on at the moment? No, no, no. It's still at this time of year in, in the UK. It's obviously a cycle that uh, doesn't really stop. They've sort of had all their county age group performances and, 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 and matches. And now they have trials again. So it's uh, new to, new youngsters coming on, hoping to break into the county age group systems and then existing ones that might have to retrial so it's a question of just um looking at that and then and then on a personal level you know working with individuals who who uh, have uh, just seen seen a way forward and want want to progress you know perhaps technically now very much in the next three months ahead of uh, the, the february onwards where we look more uh, scenario based and game based and strategy based yeah absolutely and of course the big the big debate we're going to be having this evening is uh, we're going to be talking about the World Cup. And no, we're not talking about the football World Cup that's going to be happening in a few in a few months' time. We're talking about the actual important World Cup that's going to be taking mm-hmm. place. And that has already started with the qualifiers over in Australia. And it's going to be hosted in Australia. There's 16 teams that are going to be taking part. But of course, the ICC T20 World Cup first was hosted all the way back in 2007 against uh, South Africa. And we saw the first sort of final between India and Pakistan, which saw India take the winnings on that first occasion winning by five runs and quite a close game there at the Wanderers Stadium in Johannesburg so from that moment we've seen lots of really big memories and moments obviously some famous ones of highlights that we've sort of gone through we saw obviously in that first uh, World Cup um, T20 we saw six sixes hit by Yuraj, Yuraj Singh off of Stuart Broad obviously in England 2009 we saw the opening game of the uh, ICC World T20 hosted at Lords, England obviously being quite confident they were going to beat the Netherlands and the Netherlands pulled off an unbelievable victory which was a really exciting game and I remember this was the first sort of time these wide Yorkers sort of came into role but obviously then we saw Pakistan versus Sri Lanka with uh, Pakistan being the winning side on that occasion and then of course England managed to win their first um, World T20 and their only World T20 actually a year later in 2010 in the West Indies beating Australia in a very good final I remember the uh, I believe the man of the match of that day was of course Somerset's former wicketkeeper batsman Craig Keyswetter who had a fantastic opening stance in that occasion and then two years on we sort of saw this sort of rolling every sort of two years of a World T20 and then we saw it been hosted in Sri Lanka, and we saw the first occasion of the West Indies beating Sri Lanka. The West Indies, West Indies of course, are the uh, are the holders that have won this um, won this trophy twice. Obviously, back in 2012, again, and then in 2014, we saw Sri Lanka beating India in Bangladesh, and then of course, India 2016, West Indies narrowly beat us. Uh, it beat England when after some fantastic sort of decisions made on the field by Owen Morgan, saw Ben Stokes. Uh, in the final over, looking to defend, I believe it was 19 off his final over, and obviously it was Carlos, remember the name, Brathwaite, hitting those three incredible sixes to get him over the line. So we've seen some very big moments in this game. And of course, England got off to a really good flyer in the UAE and Oman in 2021. But of course, didn't manage to go through to the final, and it was Australia versus New Zealand. And Australia won by eight wickets in that final. And we do now see Australia hosting the World T20, 
And that is where we are to date. 16 teams now taking place. A mixture of associate nations looking to qualify throughout all times. And then obviously the top teams who have gotten the rankings come into the next round. So, Ian, has, uh, has the World T20s, have they been successful? Yeah, I think from my point of view, I'm looking at that as, as, you know, clearly there's got to be a pathway for all aspiring nations to get to. And I think, you know, you can debate long and hard. You know, you mentioned early on and out before the before we started that in 2024, there are going to be 20 teams. So that's an expansion on this on this this year's, which is 16. Um, and I think, you know, we spent long and hard when I was with the ICC sort of debating about, you know, how, how it could be fair. You know, like the Soccer World Cup, obviously, that's also debated how many teams are in, in that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity. But now there is a, a pathway across all, all zones, so League Ones, Two and Three. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's good. Obviously, you've got to be mindful of 45 matches, how the, the, long, the length of time that takes, the cost that's incurred, the amount of time that uh, players are away, particularly in the post-COVID uh, sort of um, living in hotels and bubbles um, for the mental health of players. So I think a tournament of the, of the stature demands, you know, 16 teams in it, really. Um, and I think, you know, looking at the sides in Group A and Group B currently, you know, clearly they've got through and qualified. And, and, and you know, for, 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 the, for, for, the, for the likes of Sri Lanka, West Indies, you know, to, uh, to, and to having to be playing uh, and qualifying through if they do or not, you know, that, that is a real challenge. I mean, what, what has been amazing is Afghanistan's rise, you know, since since the early 2000s, and clearly they've qualified by right here. And, and one could argue, you know, with, with one of the one of the most uh, potent sort of bowling attacks. Um, so, yeah, you know, it is a tournament that captures the imagination and, and, and the quality the quality is immense, and I mean, I look, you know, I'm sure we'll go into debate who could end up in the top four, and it's going to be it's going to be a really tough a really tough one to try and uh, to, to have foresight to think about who could actually qualify, just let alone the top four, because I think there's six, if not seven, sides who could who could quite easily win this this tournament this year. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, Nick, obviously going through that bit of history that we've seen, are there any sort of moments that you can remember that sort of stand out, or have I, or have I sort of mentioned them all sort of in detail there? It's funny, isn't it, George? Because uh, naturally, you'd be drawn to England's triumph in uh, 2010. But uh, I think the more iconic moments were the, the Dutch triumph that uh, you referred to uh, a couple of tournaments beforehand, and then obviously that sensational last over from uh, Carlos Brathwaite to, to see West Indies clinch a trophy. Where uh, I, I literally, I think we were sort of sat here quite quite relaxed, thinking four balls to go, not a chance. And uh, I think that just underlines the unpredictable nature of the game and. If you can take it to the last over in T20, you are always in the, always in the game, be it as a bowler or indeed a batting side. But um, it's funny you sort of mentioned about the tournament itself, and Ian touched upon it with his earlier response, which is for me, I think the last tournament was actually the highlight of seeing Namibia and Scotland perform so well in those tournaments and gain unexpected uh, victories and actually uh, perform pr- pretty well even in the uh, Super 12 onwards. Uh, however, I think as the tournament progressed last time around, we, we just saw the toss become sort of more and more important. And that's one thing in this tournament where I'd like to see a, a, a balance between OC teams batting first and th- those teams uh, chasing. And, you know, to have a tournament where you've got, I think, 33 games played from the Super 12 onwards, uh, 22 of them out of 33 were won by the team batting second. Uh, and, and even of those 11 victories for the team batting first, I think six of them came against uh, the, the likes of Scotland and Namibia. So to, to see that balance, and of, of course we got through to the semi-finals with uh, Australia and New Zealand winning their games, having batted second, and then Australia eventually knowing what they had to do and w- winning out in the final. So hoping for a, a more even balance uh, and for the toss to be perhaps less decisive, particularly in those knockout stages or later stages. Yeah, absolutely. And those toss uh, results and the pitches of that being a very important important role. Ian, you spent a bit of time out the out in Oman, if I'm right, thinking of the last World Cup. Did you mm. did you sort of feel um, at the time the pitches were obviously sort of if you won the toss, you were going to ultimately win the game? I think from briefly in Oman, what I saw is actually some very good pitches. Uh, you know, there, there were only it's two grass but grounds in Oman where I where I was watching, but but they were using the main ground. And no, the pitchers certainly had you know pace and pace and bounce. You know, watched um, you know uh, Scotland's Hampshire's uh, 
Scotland bowlers sort of running in and um, getting it through, and I, I think they weren't low and slow, and they, they, they you know, they didn't, they did go through. Uh, maybe got more tired as, as 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 the tournament went on, but I think it was effective. And I think Nick's point is right, or your points are right here in this tournament. I mean, the pitches will be better; they will will be sustained. So I think ultimately the the best side, the best sides will come through. You know, those those sides with great quality bowling options and, and fantastic batting. And immediately, as I say that, I know we can go and debate some teams in a minute, you know, who we feel going to get through. But I think the best cricket sides, the best cricket teams will, will, will win this one. And it won't be by quirk of, you know, pitchers deteriorating and, um, you know, being more advantageous, to, you know, you know, to, to, um, to do one or the other. So I think our pitchers will, good pitchers generally speak, don't they? The better sides will come through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, something that's going to be interesting to touch upon, I think, is obviously we've seen, obviously, originally there was only 12 teams initially in the World T20 back in 2007, obviously growing from 2014 with 16 teams. And then obviously in 2021, they've gone this sort of new format in a way, haven't they, where we see the qualifiers then going into the Super Sixes and then obviously yeah. leading to our semi-finals, our finalists. Um, yeah. Is that an important move? Because obviously you touched on a bit earlier by 2024 when we see the World Cup being hosted in the West Indies and the United States, rising the 20 teams. Do you think we're going to get to a point with T20 cricket where we could see it almost being a bit like a football World Cup where we're seeing almost 30 teams competing over a, over a few-month period? Or is the cricket calendar not going to allow that to happen? Well, I think that now does go on and that's taken a long, long time, you know, back in sort of say 20 years ago uh, you know we're looking at how to expand the game uh, from an IC point of view um, and clearly at that time T20 you know wasn't wasn't so what was uppermost in their minds I remember with the Irish Cricket Union and, and the Dutch particularly Scotland it was really and, and Denmark to, to a slightly less degree but it was more about 50 over cricket so that was the aspiration you know ODI status and of course the uh, you know, the sense was that clearly you're playing a shorter game, you've got more chance uh, of competing. Um, and then obviously with the advent of, of T20, that was a, that was a, another dream come true, you know, because that was even shorter and, and has been has been touched on as well. There, Therefore, you know, you get it wrong and you, know, you, you can lose quite easily in the T20 game, a much shorter format. Um, but in terms of numbers, yes, there is there are the leagues, the world the world international leagues now that go on, and 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 then so in effect, in a sense, the World Cup has been going on for years, whether it's Jersey and Italy and Spain and France or or, or, or Kenya, belatedly trying to come back in, albeit as I think um, League Division Three now, whereas back in two thousands they were right up there and famous victories as, as as we might record in in that two thousand and three tournament. Um, so it does give opportunity for all the sides to come through. So I believe that those uh, four teams at each, those eight teams in Group A and B, you know, have got there on merit. They've had to qualify through. Um, you know, remiss of me, I don't know who the um, the next, the next, the next, next block of four teams are. But um, you know, you, from a European point of view, you're going to be looking at your jerseys or your Guernseys. Um, you know, from wider European, it's no doubt it's Germany are going to come through. Um, it's an ever shifting balance in, in European cricket, really, uh, particularly with the dynamic of 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 of. of of the way the world is working at the moment. So these sides must have a chance to come through. Um, however, you know, a World Cup needs to be the cream. Um, there needs to be a democratic process that does go through. And I, I think, you know, from, from looking at this, this looks and feels right, you know. Uh, the, the standard has got to be there. You know, we, we, we did always hold our breath when the then called Associate Nations played the, you know, the top the top tier guys and clearly you know, if it was it was a humbling defeat, you know that would have significant impact on on the associate nations, and clearly in terms of sponsors selling your game. However, like you referred to, and I was at that game at Lords when the Netherlands beat England. Clearly, you know you could bet your bottom dollar the marketing guys the next day. You know what they'd be doing. You know, and 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 uh, you know that just builds the the profile of cricket in a country. So yeah, it's, it is about exposure. It is about um, uh, you know, and again. Back in 2003, we didn't have the streaming. We didn't have the, the you know, the eyeballs that, that now any any person in say Europe can watch these na these European nations. So there's a lot more uh, exposure to the game uh, because that's what's needed in the countries that you know didn't have, have have as much cricket. They need the youngsters to be able to hit the button, watch the game, and then actually convince their parents that this is a thing that they want to be 
driven to dropped off 100 miles down the road on a Saturday or a Sunday uh, and convinced them that actually, you know, like in Scotland back in 2003, that they could make a career of this. And, and you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't really an option uh, in Ireland. Now, now it very much is for both men and women. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, what's quite quite interesting, having a quick look at the ICC T20 World Rankings, obviously India is the highest ranked side in World T20 cricket currently, followed by England, followed by Pakistan, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, West Indies, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Afghanistan. And then there's 84 countries in total. The lowest mm. the lowest at the bottom is Cameroon, Estonia. And you've then mm-hmm. got, you know, you've got Greece, you've got Thailand, you've got Turkey. Working your way up to Cyprus, Sierra Leone, Luxembourg, Japan, Malta. T Twenty cricket seems to be at the moment the way the way in as such, doesn't it? And sure. I think that's sort of the exciting thing. So, Nick, surely it's a, it's a good thing, is it, to get more as Nick as as in sort of suggested with these other leagues going on? Is it a good thing ultimately to get more teams involved in these T Twenty? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we all love the game. We want to spread the game. We want more people playing the game boys, girls of young ages through to uh, a proper setup in these countries. And I think if you have this pathway that says these nations, if you get the right infrastructure and you get a talented pool of players, you can progress through leagues and potentially qualify for a World Cup and test yourselves against the very best, as the likes of Scotland and Namibia did in the last uh, World Cup, and as I'm sure um, some of those teams will do again, then that has to be um, the, the ultimate ambition for the game. We want to spread that enjoyment uh, of the game and that participation. And T20 seems a, a perfect forum to, to do it. Because let's face it, you're not going to get kids playing 50 over cricket or you know multi-day formats. But T20 is what they're brought up with. It's, it's what, what they play from the age of seven, eight years old. So it seems sensible that that continues in, into the adult game and uh, clearly into the international game as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's I think it's sort of a weird sort of way to think about it. Back in 2003, I think it was, when the very first T20 uh, domestic game was played, I think it was Hampshire versus Surrey, from what I might remember. And that sort of game's being played, and how this game has just grown and grown and lifted off, you know, to the IPL, to multiple, uh, to the Big Bash, to the the Caribbean's uh, Premier League. So all these sort of big world tournaments now growing and obviously seeing all these different countries now growing into wanting to play T20 cricket. And obviously the sides that have made it to uh, Australia for this World Cup, obviously 12 sides, sorry, 16 sides in total that have made it there. And it's quite interesting to think the the sides that have actually made it and sort of gone through to this point. So if we now sort of move our sort of direction now to thinking about, you know, the runs and riders of the World Cup and maybe just talk about the early stages of the World Cup while we've got this opportunity to, I think. And um, so we've got two different groups at the moment, which will then make their ways into two separate pools for the Super Sixes that ultimately then will lead into the um, semi-final and then eventually the final in Australia. So currently we've got in Group A at the top of the table are the Netherlands, currently ranked 17th in World T20 cricket. They've played two and they've won two. We've then got Namibia, uh, played two, won one, lost one with two points. Sri Lanka, who've found themselves here in the sort of sort of uh, stages, they're currently ranked eighth in World T20 cricket. They've uh, played one, they've lost one. And then you've got the United Arab Emirates that have currently played two and they've lost two. So that is Pool A. And then obviously we've got some further games to go with Group B coming up a bit later on the week. Obviously we've not had opportunity to see these games as we're recording a little bit early this week. So Scotland are currently sat top after a really good result over the West Indies. Zimbabwe, of course, where we're hoping to catch up with Steve Kirby, who's currently over there at the moment in Australia, to hopefully get a bit of behind-the-scenes access of how Zimbabwe are getting on. They've currently won one as well. Ireland have, have lost one and the West Indies have lost one. And it's interesting, isn't it? I think to see the West Indies also in this sort of qualifying round after being so successful in World T20 cricket. So, um, Nick, shall I come to you first? Where, which team would you like to start with? I guess, uh, George, if we look at, um, firstly, the sort of pre-qualifiers, and you mentioned um, the first group of Netherlands, Namibia, Sri Lanka and UAE, um, that is incredibly difficult to call. Um, and I was looking uh, earlier today as to the possible combinations, permutations, if Team A were to beat Team B. Um, really, really difficult to call that one out. So um, I, I, I'm going to sit on the fence. I mean, I think for, for, 
thus far for the victories that they've achieved to date. I would like to see the Netherlands and uh, Namibia go through, but um, clearly a lot will depend on that last uh, Sri Lanka-Namibia game as to uh, how, how that one transpires. Um, in terms of uh, the, the, the second group, um, Zimbabwe recorded a fine win over Ireland. Um, Scotland, similar with the West Indies, and for no other reason, would certainly like to see those two teams uh, progress on to uh, the Super 12s. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's, it's been quite highlighted how how well some of these sides have played, in fact. So results we've had so far, as you've mentioned, uh, Sri Lanka lost to Nibia, um by 55 runs. Namibia batted first, 163 for seven. Sri Lanka bowled out for 108 or out. UAE lost to the Netherlands. They were um, restricted to 111 for eight. And then the Netherlands chased that down with one ball to spare, 112 for seven. We then obviously saw in today's fixtures on Tuesday the 18th of October, Namibia versus the Netherlands. Namibia batted first, 121 for six. Netherlands chasing that down, 122 for five, winning by five wickets. And then Sri Lanka batting first, 152 for eight, beating the UAE, um, bowling them out for 73 all out. As Nick's highlighted in, a really, really challenging group for that first group. I think also, George, as I probably um, should have highlighted, of course, Sri Lanka are not playing Namibia. They're playing the Netherlands in the final game. And it's it's that game which could throw up a whole sort of combination of uh, results. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think it's safe to assume that Namibia will beat uh, the UAE either. You'd expect them to. They would be favourites going into that. Uh, But again, uh, you can see a number of teams there locked in on two wins, one defeat and uh, settled by net run rate. Mm. Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Netherlands, Scotland, Sri Lanka and Group 8 to, to go through, uh, I'd have thought, um, from what I've seen. Um, you know, Sri Lanka, well, you know, I mean, if they get it right, but again, I think they're probably the strength is this, the, the spin bowling, as is the U, with the UAE as well. You know, you do get, you know, it's just, just one of those truisms and realities, really, with the... With, with those nations, you know, the guys who are coming through up the ranks that you don't have your battery of fast bowlers in the main, really. You're very fortunate, you know, if you've got one, little and two, you know, guys who are bowling up in the sort of 85s, 90s and, and plus. Um, and again, that's really where you get sort of found out against top, top batting sides. However, mystery spin and wrist spin, and I saw today um, the UAE spinner, Leg spinner got got a hat trick and and bowled the strength captain out, you know, on the hat trick ball and and fantastic. So that is their opportunities, you know. It's a bit like Afghanistan have done, although they they do have a bit more pace in their armoury. And the Group B is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, Ireland, Scotland, Western Indies, Zimbabwe. I get a sense Scotland, you know, this could be their chance and, and they could go through now. Um, and then really the Western Indies, they've pulled up to this tournament. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate to spend a bit of time with Phil Simmons in, in his early days of, of coaching around the early 2000s. I've sort of kept uh, in touch from time to time. And, I mean, I, I think he, there was a quote I think I read. He said, you know, I can't beg people to play. Now, when you when you sort of talk as a national coach, talk about, you know, players play for your nation and them sort of almost sort of coming out with that statement it shows what sort of turmoil they're in I mean you know I think most people including myself you know want a strong West Indian side grew up watching them I guess in the 80s the dominant and the dominant eras in the 80s um, 90s and and, and, you know just infectious you know going out there played a little bit out there and just just coached and being around that scenario is is fantastic so um, we want them to come through however I don't think longevity but they might sneak through Zimbabwe under Dave Houghton I think are far more organised and they maybe this is their their time as well to come through and, and, and get through so Scotland Zimbabwe Unless, you know, again, net run rate no doubt will come to it. Ireland, clearly one of my favourites uh, in in my time. Uh, however, you know, as as what happens with, with, with nations that are building, they're, they're, there's, there'll be peaks and troughs. And they've had a, you know, halcyon days, you know, of guys that I saw all of that under-19 crop in 2002-03. You know, they had a fantastic rise to prominence and done, done incredibly well. And now they're just, they're building, you know, they're building with younger players. 
um, and 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 you know I think where they've got to is what is remarkable uh, was a remarkable rise um, you know and the whole structures infrastructures are are far you know far more mature than they were and I think they can sustain their cricket in their, in, in their country now but you know this is the very top level and uh, you know I think they will they, it sounds like they're going to battle a little bit yeah absolutely and Nick I suppose in a way do you sort of these sort of qualifying group stages is almost a bit like the FA Cup, isn't it? With a bit of giant killing going on for some of these associate nations, taking like you know taking on like you know the heights of some of these great great names. Because I think I sort of agree with Ian when you sort of originally look at that Group B, you'd be you'd be putting your money on the West Indies and Ireland to make it through, wouldn't you? In that in that early stages, Nick. You, you would, although, uh, you know, sadly, the, the West Indies T20 team is not uh, perhaps uh, the same strength as the ones of old. In many respects, it's sad to see that decline. And if you look at what's uh, required to win T20 matches, uh, and that could be explosive middle order batting, it could be the mystery spin to, to, to bowl those middle overs. I, I'm not necessarily sure that the West Indies have those uh, tools in the same way that uh, other teams do. So they're, they're, they're certainly an outfit that, that, that are beatable, although except that they They've got um, still some talented players that can win the matches. But the other thing um, worth mentioning with these games, and if you like the pre-qualifiers, is that I I feel it does give these teams a a, a proper sort of warm-up games. It it gives them a proper run at the the tournament. And in that respect, if there are small things you iron out, if you can get through your games, if you can qualify, you're probably as well prepared as you you can be going up against... um, the, the the bigger eight nations later in the competition. Yeah, and I think to build on that, Nick, absolutely, and it may this is maybe thinking that that needs to be changed. However, if Shranka get through and West Indies get through, my 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 gut feel is that with that experience that they've had and they've got through and they've qualified, who knows? You know, could that just ignite something and then they could go on? You know, they they are they've been playing at that level. They you know, they've been at leading leading nations, test playing nations, they've played ODI cricket, they've played a lot of twenty twenty cricket. You know, could their players be galvanized? And I think this is what what really takes is, is you know, which which coaching setups come into play now and how effective are those coaching setups bringing these players, in particular West Indies, galvanising and getting together? You know, what is their cause? Why are they Why are they here? You know, and someone like a like of Phil Simmons, you know, will he be able to galvanise these guys together and say, look, we've got through this Group B now. Come on, let's take on the big guys. We've only got to win, you know, whatever, two games, perhaps more or whatever might happen where the weather intervenes or net run rate comes into it. But, you know, it is still possible. And I, I think they would believe that, like a Sri Lanka could create a mini miracle and, and qualify and then get through, uh, as opposed to you know, forgive me for saying, but maybe I you know I'd be a little bit more hesitant to say uh, Netherlands is going to get go through and, and start to dominate in, in, in the Super Sixes or Scotland. Um, that's just my, my my feel really. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. 
Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. So we've, we've taken a moment to sort of dive into the early stages of the World T20. We're now going to focus in a bit more detail on potentially English chances and obviously looking at their opponents and also sort of sizing up who might win the World T20 over in Australia. Of course, Australia are the current holders of that trophy. England, of course, will start their campaign on Saturday, October the 22nd, where they'll play Afghanistan. And then on Wednesday the 26th, they will play one of the qualifiers. Then on Friday, October the 28th, they'll play Australia. Tuesday, November the 1st, will be against New Zealand. Saturday, November the 5th, will be against a qualifier. And then we will then see if they get through all of that, potentially a semi-final taking place either on November the 9th or the 10th. And then the grand final at the MCG, November the 13th. And of course, England's sort of limited overs uh, squad have obviously seen a bit of change recently. A new head coach in Matthew Mott and obviously a new captain led by Josh Butler. And obviously, through part of the sort of trials and trials and preparing themselves ready for the World T20, obviously in England, there was quite a lot of um, perhaps some struggles getting used to that sort of change in dynamic over in English conditions. But obviously in Pakistan, Josh Butler was a bit injured. Um, Mo and Ali took the reins. They had a really good, successful campaign, I'll probably say, in Pakistan. And then, of course, then Josh Butler's come back fully, fully fit, ready to go, and it's been unbelievable in some of the qualifying games against Australia. I'm sure we're going to dive into that in a bit more detail, go through a bit more stats and sort of things from there, and obviously think about the side in itself that make up the squad. And obviously, some really exciting additions to this squad, ready to go. So, the squad as it stands... Uh, regardless of sort of injuries that may have, may have taken place and gone from there, the current England squad is obviously Josh Butler, Moan Alley, Harry Brook, Sam Curran, Chris Jordan, Liam Livingston, Davin Milan, Adil Rashid, Phil Salt, Ben Stokes, Reese Topley, David Willey, Chris Wokes, Mark Wood, Alex Hells, obviously making the grand return, Alex Hells is. And then standby players is Liam, Divin, uh, Liam Dawson, Richard Gleeson, and Tar Mills. So on paper, Ian, that's a really quite exciting team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that batting lineup. I mean, you know, extraordinary depth, and and you know, perhaps the question marks would be if there are question marks over the over the over the bowling, or, or rather, positively speaking, say the batting is so phenomenally good. So it's, it would be that conundrum, really. And based back to our talk about the good pitchers. Surely with a side like this, I mean, you know, you, if you bat first and you're posting 180 plus, you know, then you 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 know you, you can control the game. You know, the, the Rashid clearly is is, is 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 the diamond in the pack there, um, but they've got all sorts of options, haven't they? And so, you know, bat first, scoreboard pressure will will win them. You know, more games than not. Uh, however, having said that. You know, if bowling is perceived to be the slight, you know, the slight draw, you know, you know, not the strength perhaps as much, then bowl first and then chase down anything. I mean, a batting side like that, I mean, how can you stop that batting side, you know, chasing down what, what, what score do you need? Um, and sides will be conscious of that, you know, so again, could get themselves into trouble thinking they've got to post, you know, 200 uh, when actually, you know, they might get themselves into trouble. So, um, yeah, I think it's just game management, game by game, fitness as ever will be will be crucial. Um, you know, but England will be there, there and thereabouts, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it's quite exciting some of the some of the calls, but I think one thing that's probably going to be probably going to be noted is have England. You know, obviously we talked about that dangerous batting lineup. With things, if there's a couple of early wickets, have they got that sort of power in to still to still keep going? Because obviously there have been moments in some of the games in the sort of pre warm ups where they found themselves almost not getting enough runs as such. And obviously, as you've mentioned, the bowling the bowling sack is. Is it strong enough? Have we got enough variation there for Australian conditions? Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to come back to a couple of points that Ian made, and, and clearly very favourable with the, with the, the batting lineup that we've got. Uh, I, I think if we look at pure batsmen, I have absolutely no arguments with the players that have been selected. I think uh, Phil Salt has come in done very well. Uh, if we look at 2022, his strike rate this year is at 164. Um, not necessarily elite, but excellent uh, nonetheless. If, if we look at Harry Brook, Harry Brook has come in, um, and particularly towards the latter parts of the innings, uh, strike rate of 149, but I think 26, 27% of his runs have come from sixes. 
So a guy that is actually quite a classic and you know good technique when he plays four day cricket for Yorkshire, has the talent and adaptability to turn that into power hitting uh, in the shorter format of the game. But the question I've got for Ian, because uh, I think there's actually more question marks over this England team that, than we realise, is, is firstly the use of Joss Butler. I mean, Butler's typically batted down the order. He's been at, he's for me the jewel in the crown when it comes to our batting lineup. Uh, incredible strike rate, and that's continued this year with a strike rate of one seven nine. But is he best used at the top of the order, or is he the man that you want the last five or six overs? crashing the ball over the boundary ropes so opener or coming in four five six ian yeah well i think it, in response if you look at what pakistan are doing at the moment you know um with baba azam and um rizwan is it i mean you know i did watch that game where um they they chased down 200 and they, they didn't didn't lose a wicket uh, unfortunately, I started on the treadmill at the time and I thought I wouldn't get off the treadmill until the first wicket left was lost. And unfortunately, I, I normally do 10 minutes on the treadmill. I think I was on for an hour and a half or something. But um, yeah, so I mean, phenomenal. So so Butler, yes. I mean, your best players, again, your best players in form. It is about form. You know, so whoever's in form, I mean, Butler's a phenomenal player. I mean, I don't think many um, attacks would want to run in against Hale and uh, Hales and, and, and Butler. Salt's phenomenal as well. Um Milan, you know, just just keeps on doing it, doesn't he? At three, um, so you know, I think he's got to play when he's in form. He's got a great role to play now, scoring bigger scores, you know. Um, and again, T Twenty, even though we all think it's only 120 balls with a few extras, maybe um, it's, there's there's a there's a lengthy period of time to 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 bat through. And and I think the fundamentals, just like in the slightly longer game as well, is, is you know, if someone bats through and posts score 80s, 90s, you know, people will build around it, and therefore you. You get your 180s, your 190s. Um, and then Moan Ali, I mean, I just have him floating. He's such a destructive player. Um, as you said, a few of the other guys, um, you mentioned Harry. Um, um, who did Brooke. you? Brooke, sorry, forgive me. Yeah. I mean, again, a phenomenal player. And then this day and age, it is about, you know, those seven balls, seven good balls that, that change a game. And if you can come and score, you know, you know, to a ball, three a ball, you know, at that sort of percentage rate, you know, seven, eight balls. I mean, that's that's all. That's what you just got to do, you know. And I think they, they're comfortable doing that. So, uh, yeah, Butler at the top, um, you know, and it, you just just got to just got to get them there. Uh, you know, I think what what would be key is, or what what, what doesn't help in a coaching setup uh, and a player's mentality is that if you're wondering, you know, where am I going to play, you know, throughout the tournament, am I going to be dropped one bad innings? Because these guys, another guy, good player will come in and will score runs. So you know, once you're out, you could think, well, that's that's me gone. Um, don't let Milan back in because he's going to do what he's, he's he's proven to be doing. You get his head down and he's going to score runs. Um, so I think you know for. For team cohesion, I think you know you've got to you've got to find your top six, and you, and and as a coach, you know, so long as they fit, um, and and you know they're in form, you say, look, this is it, guys. You know, this is you know it's not quite knockout cricket, obviously in the Super Six. Well, it's not knockout cricket. However, you know, build momentum, um, and and really give your guys the head and say, this this is it, this is your chance. You know, um, take it. You know. Yeah, and I think that's quite quite important. Obviously, Nick, I think it's a really interesting debate because I. I have often fallen on the on the side of this, uh, where I initially thought Butler is your finisher. Butler comes in when you need him the most. England need. I always thought about this, you know, when back in the day of you know Hales and Roy, they get you off to an absolute fly. You wouldn't need that. And obviously, when Bairstow then came in, they get you off to a fly. Sixty for out loss, you know, off six overs. Butler can then come in after the power play and take sides apart. But it's quite interesting actually, looking at the statistics of this and sort of looking at the sort of positions where. Butler might find themselves in. So Butler's overall played loads and loads of innings in um, T20 cricket. But opening's obviously been the position where he's done quite a lot of uh, his batting now in T20 international cricket. And he's he's ended up with, obviously, his highest score of 101 not out in international cricket. He's hit almost 1,400 runs in that position. Has an average currently of 49.32 opening the batting with a strike rate of 153.27. And of course, as you further you go down and you see him potentially batting at 5 or 6, his strike rate goes from 5 at 130, 
137.16 to batting at 6, 126.30, his strike rate sort of coming into place there. And obviously his average at that point lowers to around the mid-20s at that point. So I guess I've sort of now sort of come around to the position of Joss Butler, as well. I think we're rightly saying is the most destructive batsman that England have perhaps produced in this T20 format game. Obviously, I know there's lots of other players coming through at the moment. I suppose we can argue the potential of other players on the side, you know, looking pretty dangerous. But I think Butler in that position, as you've rightly mentioned, is the jewel in our crown. And I think if he wants to open, he opens. I think it's at this point in time, it's where he feels he can be the most destructive and really use his game of being that 360 degree player, I think. What, what, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's interesting because the other thing to bear in mind here is the fielding restrictions. So the first six overs of the game, you've got two fielders out. So actually, you, you don't have to power the ball over the boundary ropes to get your boundaries. You chip the infield. I'd say chip the infield quite uh, rather blasé when I say it. But four runs, and you do that three times and over, happy days. That's 12, 12 runs off the over, even twice and over. Um when there are five fielders out and there's no pace on the ball against your mystery spinners, I think suddenly trying to hit boundaries is a lot tougher. You've clearly got more men there stopping fours. And if you don't quite get all of uh, a delivery, you haven't, you haven't a five, put pace on the ball yourself and you don't get all of the delivery, um, you, you clearly risk being caught in the deep. So I look at it and say, do you actually want your big power hitters, the guys who can hit your sixes, coming in at those key overs? And if we look at some of the games that have been pivotal for England, some of the games perhaps we've lost at the last stages of tournaments, and I've come back to that New Zealand game from the last World Cup, where with four overs to go, we were absolutely in the box seat. And then Jimmy Neesham comes in, sends the ball to all parts and then I think they took 57 off the last four overs Nisham that innings three sixes Daryl Mitchell helped himself to four sixes and it, it, it was game over now we've got the players to do that so I think we've got players at five six seven that can do that Moeen Ali fantastic strike rate of one six four been in tremendous form this year but are we slightly front loading the batting and have we got enough in that middle order? And it, it, it's interesting. So uh, whether he plays or not, I suspect he probably will come to the side. Liam Livingston's role in this is, is fairly critical. Um, now, I, I'll be honest, I'm not necessarily sure that Livingston was the right selection, but he played in innings last year against Pakistan where he's hit 103 or 43 balls, um, one in England the game, and he's got that capability to be incredibly destructive. Uh, and you look at Livingston say, if it comes off for him, he, he's a guy that will, 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 will win you games. The problem I've got is he's played 14 innings since that knock against Pakistan. I think he's managed to score a 40, a score of 30, a score of 20. Not much else. And, and his strike rate this year has been down at 1-2-8. So, yeah, if Butler's batting one, I'm taking a very close look at who's coming in five, six and seven to get us over the line or to really accelerate in those death overs to get us up to the impossible tar- the t- targets that we think collectively this batting lineup can set. Yeah, and I think you make a really valid point. And obviously, uh, Ben Stokes is going to play a vital role in that in that situation. And I think it's going to be an interesting, I think it's going to be an interesting series for Harry Brook. I think he's had a fantastic, you know, series in Pakistan. You know, he's played around 14 T20 internationals at the moment, you know, three not outs, current average of 35.11, highest score of 81 not out, a strike rate of 149.06. So he's had a really, really good impact, hasn't he? And I'm really delighted that he's getting that opportunity. It's going to be leading that front, but it's, it's a lot of um, weight, isn't it? On, on a young man's shoulders. You, you'd perhaps mention, and I think you're right. Um, Mo and Annie's got to be out there and consistently performing. It's got to be, you know, he looks like one of the best bats in the world when he's timing it. His technique's so brilliant. Now, I could generally watch Mo and Ali bat all day, but it's got to be consistent at all points going in from that point. I think I was also quite surprised, Nick, that um, Duckett wasn't selected, um, you know, for for the World T20 squad after how good he was in Pakistan as well. So that's, that's, that's been quite an interesting call. And I think Milan's got to come to a point where Again, he looked like he was struggling a little bit with a bit with with some form, so that's going to have to come together. So I think you're right; there are some 
more notable question marks. But I think for me, and I don't know what Ian thinks about this, I think um, the question marks itself with England's setup is going to be have we got too many of the bowlers that are quite similar or have a plenty or have enough of our bowlers got enough tricks up their sleeves that they could really make use of these Australian conditions, Ian? Yeah, no, undoubtedly. I mean, you know, Nick Cash, Tatsman, no doubt has a breakdown of, of the success of, of spinners, but that has been a, a, a refrain, hasn't it, over the years, that spinners have, have become the, the significant... Um, components to any attack allied to fantastic pace and left armers and then of course the guys to more miles and stuff who you know who have all the all the options and the variations you know nick mentioned very early on in the piece these widely wide yorker um which has become you know in vogue to be able to bowl that that wide yorker um you know making you know closing down one side of the the, the field um i think really where the game has gone you know and i've been very fortunate in the last year or so be, be part of the gary kirsten sort of thinking and, and working in, in in the coach head um set up with him and, and ryan cook as well who's now heading up the netherlands side you know the game has become completely stats driven and anal- analytics driven and and you know it's, it's not you know not understating the fact that it, ball by ball you know the head coaches will have the analyst in their ear um, and the matches and the mis- the matches and the mismatches will be will be very fluid and will be going on on literally ball by ball and decisions will be being made. So you know it's 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 incredibly in, in depth thinking and, and analytics that go into the game now. But obviously then the, the players then have to have been comfortable with that. Um, uh, you know, we are almost at the stage, aren't we, where, where, where the coach and the captain can be talking, you know, will be will in time. I think next year, possibly we might see that coming in where, the, where, the, there, is a, where there is a direct communication between. And as a coach, obviously, I have views on that because the captain it should be in charge of a side and doesn't want to be undermined. But I'm sure the relationship will be as such developed that there will be a trust and, and also just, just a proven... Um, record of, of the of the statistics and the statistical nature you know the proven statistical nature of, of what will be successful um now back to answering your question can england bowlers adapt um have they got an astute enough and a game plan against all the opposition for every scenario particularly you know in the at the death um i'm not sure the, the skills have to be executed under un, un, under pressure um Having them got that, uh, I think maybe that's a game where perhaps they're not as strong as, as their batting would be. Um, so that, that, again, it does all, all come down to really getting that balance right. You know, you just mentioned all the Stoke players on the England side, and this, you know, we, I didn't mention Stokes, remiss of me, but you know, when you're Ali, Stokes, Brook, um, uh, you know, um, and I'm missing one or two others, you know, in the salt that comes out, you know. Those guys, you know, you know, they they can all come in. But again, the game maybe, you know, the game is about, you know, uh, understanding the pitch you're playing on, the ground you're playing, the conditions you're playing on, and then having a, a really uh, informed decision on what is is par, what is what is the the, the, the target needed, um, and that becomes really scientific and can become incredibly, um, you know, you, you know. Thought through, so you know. I think this is where sides have to be astute, and and, and this fanciful thing of well, we've got to go and score two thirty, two forty. You know, Pakistan again are, are proving this, and they have come under some criticism the way they're open as bat. However, you got quality players. You know, can you imagine if Butler faces sixty five, seventy balls? You know, he's gonna he's gonna score a lot of runs. Um, you know, so rather give him seventy balls to score a huge, significant match winning target than perhaps give them 20 balls I hear what you say George obviously in a context 20 balls or 15 balls if you can score you know the classic is score 50 off the last 30 isn't it David Miller from South Africa right you've got 50 he wants to be there at the end okay Um, however you know quality players give them 50 balls 60 balls to bat and and that you know they've got every chance of getting you into a match winning scenario yeah, absolutely. I think that's sort of the crucial bit. I suppose the final question then, as we sort of move away from England, because I think we've spoken quite a bit at length about England, sort of discussing their sort of opportunities and maybe some key decision moments being there. I'm going to come to uh, Nick first. I'd be interested to see how far do you think England could go in this competition? Yeah, I think uh, the Super 12s, you're in a format where you're playing five matches. Um, depending on who's in your group, what we saw in the last World Cup was one of the teams winning four of those games. I think it was South Africa going out, uh, having won 80% of their games on net run rate. So 
you, you need a great deal of fortune, you need luck, um, and you need things to come off. And um, I, I'm not going to run through our bowling attack, but my, my, my fear is there that we just don't have the death bowlers that some other nations do. Uh, without Mark Wood, I think we lack uh, express pace. Uh, and Mark Wood's played four out of 21 games um, so far in 2022. So his fitness is a concern. Chris Wokes just coming back. Reese Topley uh, seems to have picked up an ankle injury today. He's a doubt. Uh, and I think we're just really light on the spin bowling options. So mm-hmm. in answer to your question, George, we're going to need a lot of things to go for us in the field uh, and even some of the players I've not mentioned yet. Chris Jordan I think his economy rate this uh, this year up at 9.67 Moeen Ali up at 9.71 uh, there's bowlers here are either struggling to cut it a little bit um, this year or coming back from injury dealing with injury and I think that's our, our hopes however many runs we might get um, a bowling unit is going to be crucial, and I just don't feel that's as, that's as strong as others. So, I think we'll make the semi-final. I think we will qualify out of the group, um, but there's two teams in particular that look to have stronger lineups that, that, than we do, possibly oh. three. I'll come to you about those in a second then. Ian, your thoughts just purely on England at the moment and England's chances. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the group, you know, we're Netherlands and, and um, Zimbabwe, say, to qualify through. You know, if I'm right, they've got New Zealand in the group, Australia and Afghanistan. So, you know, you, 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 you know, New Zealand, um, just a little, a little stat, because I know it'll probably be raised later in the South African context by uh, lazy journalism, if you like, or narrative. But I think New Zealand have lost three, uh, three finals in the last uh, in the last three finals, haven't they? So um, we won't mention the C phrase or word there. But um, um, yeah, Australia, England through from that group, really, unless New Zealand, um, you know, you know, perform outstandingly. Uh, and then, therefore, into the last four. I think it's group, you know, group two, which is, you know, when you look at India, Pakistan, South Africa, you know, I mean, that's going to be a, a, you know, a good a bun fart there really, to, to try and get two from two, two, two from those three, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think from that perspective, then, I think from Group A, I think it's going to be Australia and New Zealand that go through. I think that's quite controversial. I don't think potentially England will get out of the Super Super Twelve stages. I think. Afghanistan, Australia, England, New Zealand, and obviously your two qualifiers. There's some really big games in there. And obviously I know a lot of these sides are really quite strong. And I think Australia and New Zealand will be the two favourites in that group. Um, so I think, actually, I don't think England will go through to the semi-finals. I just think with the conditions we're playing in, I think I'm not sure, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do it. But obviously I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm optimistic, I'm hoping I'm going to be completely wrong. And I'll have to come on here and make a formal apologies about how wrong I was as we do further shows reflecting on the weeks ahead. But obviously, as you mentioned, Group B is it's a serious group, isn't it? Bangladesh, yeah. India, Pakistan, South Africa. And there's some fantastic, that's going to be, again, some fantastic games going on there. So, Nick, coming back to you then, who are the three big sides you think we should be looking out for in this World Cup? Yeah, I think in, uh, in, in our own group, um, I'd start with Australia. Um, quite quite interesting. Uh, they you know, clearly won the world, last World Cup. They have gone with the same formula. Uh, 14 of the same 15 players they used last time and they found a space for Tim David. And, and um, seeing that guy back on the international circuit, I think any team in the world would find a place for uh, Tim David. But again, turning to um, Australia and why I think they will do particularly well. I mean, their form's been pretty good so far this year. I think they've won nine, lost six of uh, 17 games, the other two being a tie and, a, and uh, no result. But they, uh, you need spin options in those middle overs. And I look at England and I go, OK, Adil Rashid perhaps hasn't been quite as good as he has been. Moeen Ali rarely bowls more than two overs. Uh, and then maybe Liam Livingston's a third option. I look at Adam Zampa. I, I look at uh, Ashton Agar as another option. Glenn Maxwell. I feel they've got more in a spin bowling option than we have. And those three guys that I mentioned, Agar, Zampa and Maxwell, all with economy rates under eight this year uh, and backed up by possibly the best T20 bowler in the world in Josh Hazelwood. Uh, and, and Marcus Stoinis, Mitchell Stark, quite quite clearly. Uh, it, it's, it's an attack where 
I think all six of those, if I'm honest, you, you put them in the England squad for, for, for some of ours. Um, batting wise, yeah, um, I, I, I think plenty of fireworks at the top of top of the order. Finch and Warner, I hope it's not a World Cup too far for them. They've been, they've been fine players. Uh, I don't think age necessarily matters at the top of the order. And, and clearly they've got some fireworks as uh, as you work down the order. Mitch, Mitch Mars in the middle, tremendous player. Again, played some key innings uh, at the back end of the last World, World, World Cup. Um, so, yeah, Australia clearly won. Sorry, I've, I've run on a little bit with, with, with that. Do you want me to run through the other two quite quickly? Yes, please. Yeah, that'd be great. Good. So... I love the look of the Pakistan side. I, it, it really does excite me. Um, you know, I talk about the bowlers, the English bowlers, perhaps not looking quite as strong as a, as a unit. The, the, the fast bowlers and the combination of the spinners and the Pakistan team, fantastic. Harris, Ralph, Nassim, Shah, uh, exciting players. Shadab Khan, Mohammed Nawaz. Um, I think Shine Shara Freedy is in there as, as well. Uh, and again, the Harris Ralphs and Mohammed Nawaz, Shadab Khan, Nassim Shah, all with economy rates under uh, under eight for, for this year. Uh, and we know all about their batting. Um, Fakhar Zaman, Babar Azam, um, Sean Masood. I, I'm not sure whether Sean Masood will play, to be fair. But uh, again, plenty of attacking options. And I've not even mentioned Mohammed Rizwan as well. It, it does look to be the complete package. Runs at the top of all the order, plenty of them. Some incredible strikers in the ball in the middle order, um, and a beautiful combination of pace and spin. So Pakistan, um, not that we clearly advocate betting on the radio, George, but that would be my uh, tip for the World Cup at the price they are at. Uh, yeah, and finally, New Zealand. I've got a lot of respect for the New Zealand team. Uh, and I've mentioned this guy's name a few times, and that's Jimmy, Jimmy Neesham. Uh, I, I looked at some of the guys with just the, the best strike rates in the game. Uh, if you look at players I've played this year, scored more than 200 runs, Neesham tops the lot when it comes to a strike rate. 192, um, 38.4% of his runs come as sixes. Uh, the only player close to that within the England team is Moeen Ali. And I think when you've got a player like that in the middle order as a finisher, it's so important. In this game, for me, if you can score 30 runs off 12 balls, that's probably more valuable than getting 50 off 30 balls. And, and Nisham's got that. But, but we know what they've got in the bowling department as well. Uh, Trent Bolt, tremendous player. Mitchell Santa, a very canny operator in, in, in this format of cricket. So, yeah, if we're looking at the semi-finalists, England to be defeated by one of New Zealand, Pakistan or Australia. And you're going to tell me that's impossible because I've mentioned three teams from Group 1. I am indeed going to tell you that's impossible. <laughs> so is there anyone you think from the second group that might go through? Who, who are you backing your chances? Is it going to be India or is it going to be South Africa or Bangladesh or two of the other qualifiers? Yeah, um, do, do you know what? South Africa, again, I, I, I like a dark horse. I think South Africa have got some some wonderful players in their lineups. Uh, Ian mentioned David Miller earlier. Uh, he is actually the guy's second behind Nisham in, in terms of strike rates this year. 44.5% of his runs come from sixes. <laughs> you know, basically, he scores 36 runs. Three, three of them are the uh, max, maximums. Um, Riley Rousseau is another guy who's coming to that team. Um, and Ian, I don't know whether he's going to be playing, but uh, extremely destructive batsman. When it comes off of Riley Rousseau, the ball disappears. Um, but let, let's not forget about the bowling, actually. I, I don't know they've struggled in the yeah. test match in, in environment, but um, they've got Shamsi, uh, Maharaj, fine spinner, and... Um, uh, clearly, Rabada will be a, a, a fine, maybe a bit weak on the on the fast bowling, but they, they've got pace, they've got spin. Uh, and Mark Room to Cock, Miller, and um, Rousseau, they've got an explosive batting lineup, one to watch. So I'm actually going to say South Africa and Pakistan to qualify out of two. <sighs> Australia and New Zealand to qualify out of Group One, and Pakistan to win it overall. 
Thank you, Nick. We look forward to holding you to account on your predictions a bit later on in a few weeks' time. In is that? I'm glad would... you said that. I'm glad you said that, George, because I'm seriously hoping that uh, Josh Butler and all the England fans get an opportunity in a few weeks' time to shove my words down my throat and say, "I told you we had the bowlers to do it." Absolutely, I'd be that'd be you and me both. In is that how you see things, or would you, how have you weighed up the different sides? I think probably all three of us have a, a slight twist on that. I mean, I. I did put England through to that semi-final and uh, playing Pakistan in the semi-final, I think as runners-up, India winning that group and playing Australia, really, um, much as it pains me. Um, I did hear or listen to uh, Sean Pollock talk about, you know, his feeling that maybe this is finally um, South Africa's opportunity. I think Nick's uh, very clearly laid out, you know, the very great combination of their spin plus their pace with Nokia, you didn't mention, but clearly they have got some pace um, uh, you know, with the Rabada and Ngidi as well. Um, so I think they have got bases covered in the bowling. Uh, Batting-wise, yeah, I mean, they've lost Fandadusen, but I think that probably gives up other opportunities to Tristan Stubbs and to Rousseau, uh, Markram, as you say, to Cock. These are all guys who can take the game away. Um so, yeah, it is. And I think, again, that will be very much, you know, managing that team of Avuma, the captain, where he's, I think that's that's where, where he's going to bat. He might have bat at the very top as um, he's playing. So I think they've just got to get that right. Um, so they could. I mean, Pakistan, as you say, just incredible talent. When it comes to knockout, however, you know, it, it, it could, it, it, you know, sides that manage the situations uh, better, um, you know, with that analytical approach and the statistical driven approach you know might just sneak through so i mean, I, I did put australia you know india england pakistan within the in the final australia india and i've got india you know just india just fabergasted i mean just look at their players that they've got and the talent and the ability and the and the coolness under pressure you know having played so much ipl you know um they've just got players Players of immense talent, you know, they could put two sides out, no doubt. And, and again, that would be the critical thing. Get your top six and then say to them, this is your top six, you know, you're gonna, we're going to back you. Um, so I think India's time, you know, it's been a while. I think they could come through. Um, Australia may just, you know, not be as, as powerful and strong perhaps as, as, as they have been. Um, it's been alluded to. So yeah, okay, I'm going to put a little, a little punt on uh, India sneaking through there, I think, in a, in a, in a tight one. Okay, thank you very much. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Australia. I think I I don't think I can. I think home soil. I think it's a fantastic squad. You know, we've mentioned Josh Hazelwood, currently number one in the T20 international rankings. Obviously, we've got the great all rounder of Glenn Maxwell. We've got obviously the explosive batting of Tim David, and then Finch of Warner at the top of the order. I think it's gonna be a really good sort of setup, and obviously Zampa as well bowling. Um, so I I think it is gonna be Australia's uh, to take and to retain their T20 crown. I suppose my final question as we wrap up this evening here on Let's Talk Cricket, it's going to be, do you think there's going to be any surprise arisings of any players? Any players you think they're going to be making a big claim on this uh, T20 uh, World Cup? Or do you think it would be the usual suspects we've seen consistently performing over the last sort of few years or so? Uh, Ian, shall I come to you first? Yeah, cream will rise to the top. As I said, talent will come through. The best players will come through. The pitchers are good. You know, the, the the mystery spinners are they are they mysterious so much anymore with such exposure uh, around around the world now and, and again such such analysis done you know on, on all the bowlers so you know maybe Tristan Stubbs so for South Africa but he's you know he's he's, he's, he's new coming through you know if he comes off uh, Harry Brook is there for England but however I think I think the cream that you know the top quality players will will come through so uh, you know I can't no, I can't really see. Um, Sort of um, some sort of mavericks of uh, coming through into some unknown, um, creating uh, chaos. I mean, no doubt, everyone, everybody, just you know, as you say, as a coach, you you empower and you uh, you, you know you implore players to take to, take the opportunity. You know, give them the ball, give them the opportunity, and and and, and you know, encourage them and back them fully. And I think that the coaching setups will be will be will be vital. This this. Um, World Cup because it's going to take you know it's going to as we know it's going to come down to that one ball you know that one moment that one ball um, you know and then and the margin's going to be incredibly fine. 
Thank you. Uh, Nick, your final thoughts? Yeah, I think you've asked me a really hard question, George, and you've saved the best one till last. And, and the reason I say that is in terms of emerging stars. The ages and the experience of these T20 squads, um, I'd say there's a lot of players here in the latter stages of their career. We, we've talked about some of the favourites. India, 10 players, 30 and over. And, and therefore, you look at the younger rising stars and say, well, we know a lot about players like Rishabh Pant. He's a fantastic player. Um, Australia, an even older squad, 11 players who are aged uh, 30 and over. Um, Tim, Tim David is the youngest player in that squad at 26. Um, but even those under 30, Ashton Agar, um, Pat Cummins at 29. These guys have been around the circuit. We know all about them, so I can't see them emerging. England squad again, very old, 10, 10 players over the age of 30. And I think um, the same could be said of New Zealand, um, certainly an average age of 30. So I'm going to, if you're asking me about rising stars, um, I'll opt for players that we probably know a little bit about, but we'll, we'll, uh, who I feel will make an impact on the tournament. If I had to pick one, it would be Nassim Shah of Pakistan. Uh, only 19. Uh, I think um, already he's made a big impact in, in the short format of the game and um, very much looking forward to seeing him bowl in, um, in the World Cup. Lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, Ian and Nick, thank you very much, as always, for your contributions. It's been I've very much enjoyed listening to your insights and I look forward to getting you both back on potentially in a few weeks' time to see um, sort of unravel and unwind the events of the World Cup itself. So this has been Let's Talk Cricket here on Free Valleys Radio. Thank you once again for listening to us. And, of course, the debate will continue on social medias. And do get in touch with us. Who do you think is going to win the World T20? Would it be England or would it be another side? Thank you very much. See you again next week. Goodbye.